Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don McGreca. And welcome to the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Let's recap another crazy night at the NHL last night. Let's start at Madison Square Garden. And why not? Because that was just, that was something. Okay, two really good teams playing each other. Top team in the Central Division, the Dallas Stars. Rangers have been hot, especially at home. Third place in the Metropolitan Division. And what is dud the game was for most of it. Not a lot happening. The most... uh kind of exciting thing and it wasn't even that exciting for the rangers in the first period was the collision between gochier and blay and they both had to leave gochier did not return don't know his status they're uh the uh, rangers already playing without chris Kreider, but there wasn't much going on it just looked like it was going to be just one of those games rangers fail on three straight power play attempts in the second period frustration mounts dallas gets one power play they cash in on it on the tyler sagan goal and it lasts Deep into the third period. More frustration. Rangers get a power play midway through the third. Can't cash in on it. The officials miss a bend delay, a game penalty that would given the Rangers a good portion on five on three to tie the game. Uh, the, the, the call's not made. That is something that I would like to see get reviewed. Um, I'm not always will the review be conclusive. I get it because it's a very difficult thing to call, but it's even harder to call live. The officials got together. They claim that it was deflected, but you look at the replay, it went out clean. So their their discussion didn't turn out to be right. Of all the things to get reviewed, I, I would rather see that reviewed than goaltender interference, quite frankly, because it's a little bit more cut and dried. But um, Rangers miss on that opportunity, and it looks like it's going to be a frustrating one nothing loss uh, and, and, and a real chance to start building some momentum for the Rangers because they had come into the game you know, riding, uh, really playing well, had yet to lose in regulation in 2023. Their only losses uh, came in the shootout, uh, and it looked like they were going to lose and, and miss an opportunity to really continue to stay hot with Montreal and Columbus coming up on Sunday and Monday. And then it happens, a goal with less than a second to play. Let's hear it from 98.7 ESPN New York in our, the great Kenny Albert. Time winding down, comes to Miller, he fires, it's blocked, Miller shoots, he scores! Just before the buzzer, DeAndre Miller beats the buzzer by about one-tenth of a second. If you look at the replay, it looked like there was .7 left. They ended up putting .9 back on the clock for what turned out to be a ceremonial face-off at center ice. Keandre Miller has just been so good for this team he's really rounding into being just a great all-around defenseman we saw signs of it last year it's even better this year especially offensively and you add him to the mix with fox and the way that schneider is playing and the way uh that this defensive core has been put together you know with, with fox being at the top of the list there you're talking about one of the best if not the best blue lines in the nhl second most points off the blue line and Miller ties the game at one, and you go to overtime. And overtime has not been kind 
to the Rangers, at least the three-on-three portion of it. They were one and three in overtimes this year. The only goal, or two wins actually, because they had the Heedle goal against the Devils and the Kreider goal against the Flyers. But still, two, I think two and five overall in overtime. It's it's not been good for a team that as highly skilled as they are, and. It ends up being a goal mouth scramble with three of the best players on the team, Fox, Savannah, Jad, and Panarin. And here's what happened a minute and 16 into overtime. Panarin with it, feeds Fox, backhand shot, he scores! He scores! Rangers win! Adam Fox in overtime! You talk about a win out of the jaws of defeat. I mean, that's as literal as it can get. With less than a second, they're walking away with zero points. And at the end of the day, they end up getting two now tied in points with the Devils for second place in the Metro, although the Devils have more wins and less games played. The 55 points has the Rangers in third place, and a good place for the Rangers to be right now is that is a huge win. You can't ignore the the other 59 minutes in which the power play continued to struggle, and a lot of that had to do with Kreider being out. Lafreniere is the guy that's um, in front of the net on that first power play, and it just didn't work out. And the frustration really mounted. But I had a chance to talk to Braden Schneider after the game, doing the post-game show. And, you know, maybe it's a little bit of hyperbole, or maybe he's exaggerating just a little bit, but he he felt as frustrating as that game was, as improbable as it looked like they were going to win, he believed, and he said that bench believed they were going to find a way to win the game. And if that's the attitude that they have, that that's learning a lot from what they did last year and really bodes well for the second half of the season and can bode well for the postseason as well. To believe, to have confidence in yourself, and you know, three more points from the blue line, a goal and assist for Fox, Keandre Miller with a game-tying goal late. So it's looking pretty good for the New York Rangers right now in what is a very competitive metropolitan division. Devils have kind of found uh, their footing with a big win against Carolina early in the week. Now we'll see what the Devils do on this Western swing. Carolina bounced back last night uh, with a win. Uh, so every game just seems to be so colossally important. And as I mentioned, you know now you can kind of build on something. With Montreal, who you already beat in Montreal, Canadians, they did have a good win last night, but still have struggled. Columbus has struggled as well. The Rangers will be there on Monday, and then a couple of days off before they face the Boston Bruins on Thursday at the Garden. Just every point you get or don't get could be huge at the end of the season. So that's a big two points that the Rangers got, and they're able to get the win. Uh, in overtime by the final score of 2-1. to one. Um, We were talking about the Metropolitan Division and how competitive it is. While well, the Islanders, they had a one nothing lead going into the third period against the Wild, allowed three unanswered goals uh, as Goudreau, Steele, and Kaprizov with the empty netter finish off the Islanders. So the Islanders are in kind of a, a, a tough place just because of the amount of games that they've played. They're only a point back of Pittsburgh for that second wild card. But they've got three more games played than Pittsburgh. So it's it's tough. Um, they should be able to make up the ground. I still think they're a good team. But they got to be careful here because you've got Detroit. You can also battle for the wild card. They're four points back of the Islanders. But they've got three games in hand. Uh, Buffalo's got 42 points. Uh, they've got three games in hand on the Islanders. Pittsburgh, three games in hand on the Islanders. Um, so... The out, they can't let games get away from them. They've got a home game against Montreal coming up on Saturday. It's starting to get to be a must-win mode now for these Islanders, and, and that was a tough home loss against a really good team. We told you about uh, the Hurricanes doubling up the Blue Jackets or beating them 6-2 to 
excuse me, I guess tripling them up if you look at it. Canadians, Caulfield, really has been good. He's he's lost in the shuffle on a bad team, but now it's 20, was it, 25 goals on the season. He scored twice last night as they hold on for a 4-3 victory over the Predators. That's a tough loss for Nashville. Nashville's kind of in that Islander territory, too, where they, they sit three points out of a playoff spot. They do have games in hand on Edmonton, so that does work to Nashville's advantage, but they've lost a couple in a row, just 5-3-2 and two in their last 10. So that's a tough loss for the Predators in Montreal. How about those Seattle Kraken? The first team this year. It took all the way till January 12th for the Boston Bruins to lose a game in regulation at home, and the Kraken shut them out 3 nothing. Martin Jones with 27 saves for the shutout. Tanef, his eighth, uh, ended up being the game-winning goal. I, I thought that uh, the, the Seattle's played well. They've won seven in a row. They outshot the Bruins. It was inevitable. It was going to happen. And that's why with the Bruins being on pace for 140 points, how they won last night, and they, they're on pace to break the record for wins in an NHL season. They've got a nine-point lead on Toronto in the division with two games in hand, and you just wonder, will Boston be motivated to play at the same clip in the second half as they did in the first? Now, you don't want to lose your edge. We've seen that happen to teams before where they kind of peak too early, but Boston's really good, and the, and the goaltending's been tremendous, but they get tagged with their first loss in regulation at home, and Seattle just continues to cruise. Seven straight wins now for Seattle, and when you look at the um, Pacific Division, they're right there. Uh, they're two points back of the Kings for second place with four games in hand. The Kings have played 45 games and two games in hand on Vegas, and they sit just four points back of first place. You know, a lot of discussion about who could win the Jack Adams Trophy for Coach of the Year, and we had E.J. Raddick back on Monday who thought that it could be Peter Laviolette with all the injuries. Well, Hackstall is going to get a lot of votes. Second-year team, climbing up the standings, seem to be legit. That plus-25 goal differential is no joke. So congratulations to the Kraken. Detroit needing to win, get a win against the Maple Leafs. That was a big four different goal scorers for them. The kids got involved. Raymond scored. Sider scored. So Detroit gets a big win. Lightning hold on for a 5-4 to four win over the Canucks. Usual suspects. For the Lightning, as Kalorn, Kucherov, Stamkos all getting goals, 40 shots on goal, the Lightning Lightning gave up in that one as Vancouver did all they could to try to get back into the game. They got close. It was a 5-2 game. Hughes scored. Pedersen scored with about two minutes left in the game to make it a 5-4 game, but the Canucks just could not get it going. Buffalo Sabres, they threw 41 shots at Hullabuck and just scored twice. They lose at home to the Jets 4-2. to So Buffalo, as I mentioned, they got all these games in hand, but they're letting some things slip through their fingers a bit. And as Buffalo has now dropped three in a row, they were hot, but they've dropped three in a row, not taking advantage, but they did everything they could. Sometimes the goaltending just is better, and that was the case last night with Hullabuck going out there and making the 39 saves for the win. Blues cool off a bit as the Flames got a much-needed win, 4-1. to one. Um, Neighbors had tied that game for St. Louis, um, and that came early in the third period, but then a, just a big goal explosion midway through. Uh, Dubé, Coleman, and then Dubé again into the empty net. So that game was a lot closer than the final score indicated, but the Flames got a much-needed win as they threw 40 shots on goal.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We've talked about it on the podcast before, but you're starting to hear it kind of creep in around Colorado. There's something wrong with the avalanche, and it goes beyond the injuries. I'm sorry, you go to Chicago, you got to start mopping teams like that up, especially when you need wins. Now, I know the Blackhawks have played better. They've won three in a row. Good for them. But the Avalanche lose 3-2 to two in regulation. They've got the games in hand. I get it. And they're not that far off the pace. They're just four points back with three games in hand on Edmonton. Okay? But they're just not playing well. Even goal differential. They've been very average on the road. They've been average at home. They're just 9-8-3. So technically, they've lost more games than they've played at home. And a couple of losses in a row. And I think just it goes beyond the injuries. You know, McCarr is still playing for him. McKinnon, I know Landeskog's been out for a while. They've been bagged up. Rodriguez is back from his injuries. I think it just goes beyond just, all oh, they're banged up. Um, is it a cup hangover? Whatever it is. But, you know, I- I'm starting to look at myself to say, can we just constantly throw out, well, they're the defending Stanley Cup champions. They're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. They're going to get healthier. They're just kind of going through a malaise right now but be careful because every game that goes by you don't get points can be costly i still think if you put a gun to my head i think they're still going to be fine but i'm sorry chicago sorry chicago but when when a team when you beat a team like uh, the avalanche it's more on the avalanche than i think it's on the blackhawks but they have won three in a row senators had 47 shots last night they go to mullet arena beat the coyotes by the final score of five to three good night for kachuk in that one uh Debrinket picks up his 14th goal of the season so a nice win for ottawa uh the panthers are just not going to make the playoffs i'm sorry they're out west they lose to the golden knights by the final score of 4-2, to two, although they did have 39 shots on goal. Eichel picks up his 15th goal of the year. Carrier gets his 11th. Carlson gets his 8th of the season. Big third period for Vegas. So they were down 2-1, to one, and you get the win by 2. And you're starting to see that in the league now, right, everybody? I mean, you usually used to be able to watch hockey even, even after the lockout. And when a team had a lead going into the third period, you probably weren't going to win. But, you know, there's so many more goals being scored in the NHL this year where it's really start to just believe that anything can happen in any given moment. And it doesn't really matter what the score can be sometimes be. We've seen the Devils back-to-back games come back from 3-1 down uh, to be able to win. So um, that, that the, the dreaded three-goal lead you've talked about, we've seen them blown so far this season. So in the past, you'd see a team that scored first always win, leads in the third period, usually you lock them down. Maybe you'd lose in overtime, but you'd find a way to be able to get points. But you're seeing more and more teams with leads, multiple goal leads sometimes in the third period, walk away with zero points in the standings. And that's big as we get deeper and deeper to January. Well, it's Friday, and you know what Friday means. It's our week. Don LaGreca's Friday Top 5. You know, I, I, I think it's time to really acknowledge the Kraken. I've got them at five, seven consecutive wins. They're getting some phenomenal goaltending, but it really goes beyond you know, the goaltending. It's like every, every man on deck with the Kraken as far as who's going to score goals for them. 
Um, they just have a team that isn't relying on just one guy to get the job done. And I think that's really good. It kind of reminds me of that first year with Vegas, right? Where, you know, some nights it was Carlson, some nights it was Marsha show. You know, you didn't know, you know, who was going to be the star in any given night. That's kind of the way it's been with Seattle right now. And it's a really cool story. It's a tough building to play in. But give them credit. Just goes beyond the seven-game winning streak. This is the uh, second time that they've had winning streaks that have exceeded uh, seven. They've been phenomenal on the road, too. Not really just pedestrian at home, despite the excitement around that building. 10-8-2 at home, but a phenomenal 15-4-5 away from home. The Seattle Kraken cracked the top five. Number four. Number four, I'm going to go with... The Los Angeles Kings. How about that? And this is a shout-out to Fire Dave Roberts, who tweeted me earlier. says, keep calling the Kings Fugazi, and they keep winning and beating teams like the Knights and the Stars. Please tell us what a, what is fake about this team other than your thoughts on quote-unquote goal differential. Well, goal differential is a part of it, right? Listen, I, I, I'm, I'm giving the Kings their due. They, they uh, belong in the top five, and I got them at four. You're right. Wins against Vegas. Wins against Dallas. They've been, they've been pretty impressive this season. I don't know how they're doing it. I mean, Kempe's had a really good season for them, um, doing a great job as far as, as putting the puck in the net. I think you've got to be pretty happy with how he has played so far this season. I think the goaltending has been better than I think a lot of people probably expected them to be. But, you know, when you get 18 goals out of Kempe, you've got um, um, Byfield is finally back in the lineup. Um, Velarde's got 17 goals. They're kind of the same team, too where it's not about one guy. You know, you're starting to get away from the Kopitars and the Browns and the Dowdies, and the Daddy did score the other night. So, And, and they're exceptionally well coached. I think they're a good coach team. But I, I throw out Fukese kind of in a joking manner, but you look at their goal differential, which I do think is important. Now, maybe I put more weight on it than a lot of other people do. It's the old Neil Smith adage that he told me when I did NHL Live with him back in the day about goal differential is a really good indicator of how good a team is, and, and the Kings have been poor. And they, plus, they played more games than any other team in the NHL. So that kind of explains maybe why they're in second place. And when I say Fugazi, I'm not sure that they're good enough to finish in second place when it's all said and done in the Pacific Division, but they've played well. They're they're proving to be a playoff team. So fire Dave Roberts. I've acknowledged your tweet, but even before I read it, I had the Los Angeles Kings at number four. Number three. Well, the Hurricanes have come back down to earth just a little bit. They went 3-0-1 after their 11-game winning streak, but they did win a game last night. You know what impresses me about Carolina? is I got to tell you, nobody's talking about this kid, Natchez. He is just a phenomenal, phenomenal player. He's got speed. He's got a hell of a shot. Um, so it's not just about the same old song and dance with the Ajos and the stalls. And they're, they're a really good team. And, and, and going out and improving on this blue line, which was already really good. I mean, I've always been impressed with Slavin and Pesci. But you throw a Brent Burns in there, and he's really rounded it out. Chatfield's played pretty well for them as well. So I'm really impressed with what they've they done on the blue line there. I got Carolina at number three. 
Number two. Slowed down just a bit, but uh, I still have the Toronto Maple Leafs at number three. They've been able to stay consistent. I think there'd be a lot more attention on this team if they were not chasing after the Boston Bruins uh, in the Atlantic Division. Um, I, I really, you know, it was, it was Mitch Marner for a while, Nylander for a while. You, you, it's the usual suspects there. If their goaltending can stay strong, you, the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to be a cup contender. I've got them at number two. Number one. Well, despite the fact that they lost in regulation for the first time this year at home, the Boston Bruins are number one, and it's going to be very, very difficult to supplant them as the best team in the National Hockey League. I don't know if anybody is going to be able to catch them in the standings or at least in my little uh, reindeer game that I play every Friday with my top five, but they are just a terrific, terrific team. Uh, in every way, shape, or form, there is there is zero weakness on this team. And I, and I was talking about it with EJ back on Monday, and he brought up a very, very good point. You say the one weakness might be, over the long haul, their goaltending. Uh, but Olmark is really proving, whether it's a fluke this year or not, he's been, he's been tremendously consistent. Even in the loss last night, he still made 28 saves on 30 shots. And when you look at his statistics, tell me that he is not going to win the Vesna Trophy. I mean, 22-2-0 and uh, in one, excuse me, uh, 1.88 goals against average, 938 save percentage. And he probably, in the beginning of the season, you could have made the case that he might have been looked upon as a weakness on this team, and who thought that he would turn out to be a strength. So pretty good stuff for the Boston Bruins and their number one. Let's close out the week with your tweets. We already gave Fire Dave Roberts his due. Let's go to Anthony Rivera. You can also follow me on Twitter at Don LaGreca, and you can contribute to the show with hashtag Game Misconduct. Do you think Justin Huberto is going to turn it around in Calgary this season? Uh, it is a little jarring to go from Florida to Calgary, okay? To go from, you know, no offense to the fans down there in Florida, but, you know, the sunshine, non-hockey market to now going where everything is on top of you. Um, so, yes, I do think he's going to turn it around. I do think the Flames are going to turn it around. He's just too too good of a player for it not to happen. Uh, Donnell Weaver says, hello, Don. It's a local question. Hell of a comeback win by the Rangers last night over the Stars. Tie the game late, win in overtime. Islanders, another bad loss to the Wild. They can't score on the power play, and their lack of goal scorers, Lou didn't do anything in the offseason. He did not. And the feeling was, you know, you gave Barzell that contract, and, you know, he probably felt that they had enough. It's pretty much the same team that went to the third round in back-to-back years. But it does look like they're lacking something. Remember, I had said at the beginning of the year I thought Sorokin was going to win the Vesna because I thought he was going to be the difference on this team being a playoff team because I just didn't know where the offense was going to come from. You just didn't know. You know, they they probably figured, hey, we're going to have a healthy Lee all year. You know, Barzell with the new contract, and it still could happen. But I do think they're in a little bit of trouble, especially with all those games they have played. So, listen, this team is beyond ever winning because of their offense. Hopefully they'll be able to clamp it down just a little bit more the rest of the season. Jimmy Berger says the Rangers have been getting tremendous offensive production for the blue line. Does this, in your mind, take some pressure off the forwards? You can't rely on defense to score all the time, but it does seem like a nice luxury to have. Well, you know... If you're going to see Fox, who has, who has shown you, he has won the Norris Trophy, he was a candidate last year for it, you know you're going to get points from him. 
and you know you're going to get points from Keandre Miller, and it's just only going to grow for him. You know, Truba, I think, can play a lot better. I don't think anybody expected Braden Schneider to be able to produce the way that he has. Um, I, I talked to Schneider after the game, and I said, is this just by design that your defense is scoring so much, or is it a byproduct of just how you play? And he thinks it's a byproduct of how they play. I mean, they do have a kind of in-your-face, everybody kind of contributing um kind of defense when you look at you know usually you have teams that have stay at home defensemen that don't really produce much and I guess Ryan Lingren would fall into that but when you play with Adam Fox you're going to get points and you play with the way Keandre Miller's playing Truba's going to get points and you know Harper's your other stay at home guy but uh, I think he's been steady and he's really opened things up because of his size and because of how steady he is to allow Braden Schneider to pinch and, and be able to contribute offensively the way that he has so does it take pressure off of the offense, uh, the forwards? I guess because there's a game last night that the two both goals came from the defensemen. The other night, same thing. Majority of their points are coming from defensemen, especially with Kreider out. Now I don't know what's going to happen with Gauthier. Um, is it sustainable? I think it is. I think the Rangers have over the last few years have been uh, a team that has gotten a lot of production out of their defense, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. David says... It seems to me that the Islanders might wind up being the odd team out in the Metro. The amount of giveaways in last night's game was astonishing, and it seems that the team has lost its defensive style uh, under um, Barry Trotz. What are your thoughts? Well, listen, what happens when you're chasing goals is you're going to open things up. You know, the Islanders are still a very thick team, big team, and they're a team that I think that, you know, with the exception of last night, plays well with the lead. But when when you struggle to score goals, you, you have to open things up. And you, you saw it even when you look at lose teams, you know, not so much Toronto because of the firepower they have, but you go back to the Devil days. And as somebody that followed the Devils when I was growing up, and, you know, Lou took over as the GM in 87, so he'd been there pretty much for the whole time that I was a fan of the team, is that um, you, you play this trap system or you play a defensive-minded system. You can't play that when you, when you fall behind. You're a completely different team when you're chasing a goal as far as protecting a lead. And last night, again, was the exception, but Minnesota's a really good team, and a one goal, you know, one nothing in the third period is a little bit different um, than, say, if, say if the game is, um, you know, when you're having a bigger lead or, or scored more goals. This is a team that just doesn't score a lot. Uh, and I think it just you're, you're forced then to open things up. So I think some of the leaks just come from not being able to stay in your lane because you're looking to score more goals. At least that's my theory on it. Um, but uh, it, you know, Lambert's a good coach. I'm sure he hasn't made too many changes. Uh, but you know, Barry Trotz is not you know Lane Lambert. So the coaching change could be um, a little bit of a difference. Robert Thie says, too bad Dave Maloney was working between the benches last night. Would have loved to hear his reaction on radio to Miller and Fox's goals. Great call. Mike Rupp was filling in on radio with Kenny Albert last night, and Dave was between the benches. I'll have to ask him on Sunday. We're going to be calling the uh, Ranger-Canadian games on Sunday, and I'm sure there would have been a tremendous reaction to that. Yankee and Penguin says, hey, Don, random question, but is the Ranger-Flyer shootout game from 2010 the only win or go-home game 82 that you remember? Wow. Yes, because I'm trying to think now, like, is anything popping in my head? And no, nothing does. 
I don't know if Anthony can think of any of like win or go home last game. Now, there have been plenty of games where a team's had to win game 82 to make it. You know, you look at the Devils in 88. They had to win against the, the Chicago Blackhawks and Darren Pang to get in. But the game didn't mean the same for Chicago where they had to win the game. It's a great question. I'll try to think about it, but off the top of my head, it can't be the only one, but to answer your question, it is the only one that I remember. Um, Iconic says, Ilya Sorokin is the NHL's version of Jacob deGrom. Dude plays his heart out every night, but has a 500 record because the Islanders can't score. I I could not say it any better than you put it. Uh, For sure, that has been the case with Sorokin. And and again, we knew it going in, right, that this team was going to be limited offensively and that if they were going to make the playoffs, it was going to have to be tremendous play from Sorokin, and they've gotten it. But the offense just has not been there. It's just got to be better than what we've seen. And I, I don't know. They're going to have to make a deal, probably, uh, but I don't know what you can do. They didn't make a deal during the offseason for some of the um, uh, restrictions that they have. He's 14-14-2 with a 2.29 goal against average, probably a little high for his liking, but the save percentage is 926. He deserves a better fate than being a 500 goaltender. He is not, by any stretch of the imagination, a 500 goaltender. Well, this was a good one. You want to debate the top five? Have at it. You saw what happened with the Kings fan. I'm open to criticism. At Donald LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct's the way to do that. you got to throw in the hashtag game misconduct so I can see it among all of uh, the K-Show tweets. So enjoy your weekend. Like I said, I'll have the game on Sunday between the Rangers and the Canadians trying to juggle the Giants-Vikings playoff game at the same time, but but duty calls, and I love calling games, so I've got no issue there. And then I'll um, be on the pre and post for the uh, Rangers and the Blue Jackets on Monday. Uh, we are not going to have a show on Monday just because of uh, Martin Luther King Day. I've actually gotten the day off. I'll, we will we'll be doing the pre and the post for the Rangers and the Blue Jackets, but kind of just chill with the kids home from school on Monday. So why don't we reconvene on Tuesday? We'll have a weekend to recap. There's going to be a ton of day games, too, on Monday. So that's kind of why I sometimes stay away from um, the holiday broadcasts because I usually tape this in the afternoon, and you kind of want to preview what's coming up, uh, the games that are coming up. And Monday we've got uh, um, Sabres and Panthers at 1, Bruins and Flyers at 1, Avalanche Red Wings at 3, Lightning Kraken at 4, Devil Sharks at 4. So you know what I mean. There's a lot of afternoon games. So we'll just reconvene on Tuesday if that's good for everybody. So enjoy your weekend. We will talk to you again on Tuesday. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don McGregor.